0: operators have a backlog and it takes time to make a deal and if you're thinking about i want to be conus city now the nfl season is around the corner this is an exciting opportunity it's a reality check to say if you're starting now you'd be lucky to get one or two deals in before the nfl season starts and if you're very lucky you'll get five percent
1: hey this is jesse here and thanks for checking out episode 32 of the betting startups podcast in this episode i'm joined by will and philip from bestodds.com which is the destination for us bettors here the guys discuss their journey building a new brand on a top tier domain name why they think the trend towards consolidation of affiliates makes sense and what advice they have for aspiring new affiliates that are considering entering the regulated us market Will and Philip were fantastic guests, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If you want to appear as a future guest on the podcast, head on over to bettingstartups.com and submit the form. Now, on to the show. All right, we are back with episode 32 of the Betting Startups podcast. And joining me today from bestodds.com, we have Will and Philip. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining. How are you doing today? I'm complaining. It is Friday, after
2: all. all I'm I'm in Munich, so it's just gone six PM. So, uh, yeah, I know where I'm going to be. There's a beer garden just down the road, so uh, I'll be heading there
1: after listening. Nice. Well, we'll try and get this wrapped up quickly so we can get you off to the beer garden. Will um, looking forward to diving into things today though and talking about bestodds.com. Uh, I'm a bit of a recovering domain addict. I sometimes like to joke. I've bought so many of them over the years, and of course, done nothing with most of them. So uh, when I see a domain like bestodds.com, uh, I instinctively start to salivate. And, uh, really excited to talk more about that, but before we do, and maybe just to get started here today, guys, if both of you could briefly introduce yourselves, maybe share a little bit about your backgrounds and maybe some of the major chapters of your journey up until the co-founding of Bestdogs.com, And Will, maybe we can start with you. Yeah, I'm still, the, the old part in this room, um,
2: I think my first ever bet in sports happened in about 1982, to give you a sense sort of my age, um, in, in a horse race in England, in, in a place called Nottingham. Uh, it all started then and uh, I learned to read, and my love of numbers started by studying the racing form from a very young age. Um, and so it's natural that when I came to of working age, and when I was at university, I did summer work experience in uh, a company called IG Sports, which had a sports spread betting business, um, and then I moved into the online trading sphere, the financial trading, because IG had a financial trading business. So I think, think Robin Hood in the early 2000s was an equivalent of that sort of business, and I spent 12 years there, and then I've been a very active angel investor in the in the 2010s until I met Philip about just over two years ago, and then the, the rest is history in terms of best odds. But I've kept it brief.
0: Yeah, and on my end, uh, my first bet is significantly well later than Will's, I'm the younger part in this party. Um, my career is also significantly shorter. I originally met Will. By pitching him a a UK pension startup business. Uh then I was working on to kind of break down UK, the complexities of UK pensions for you know young and old people that kind of want to get a leg up and start early. That unfortunately didn't work out, but in which is what I'm quite happy about now. Um but went down a path afterwards of working with a lot of different founders in early positions, kind of just I was the guy that never said no to anybody needing help. And that got me to a couple of varying places, had an opportunity to work with a couple of fantastic people, ended up at another U.S. Uh, affiliate business, also working in the sports betting and high gaming space that Will co-founded. And from there on, well, we go along, so well that we ran off with this one when the opportunity came along and now we're here.
1: Awesome. Thanks for the intros, guys. Um, let's just get into it then. Bestodds.com, just a fantastic brand name. Intuitively, I can basically guess what it is, but maybe just for the avoidance of doubt for anybody listening that isn't completely sure what best odds might be, can you just give us a high concept overview of what it is and maybe what prompted you to decide that this was the project that you wanted to put your time and energy and investment into when it sounds like both of you have done a lot and have uh, lots of other options. What was it about bestodds.com that really compelled you uh, to to take us on? In terms of what it is. What uh, it was not—it's not a shoe shop or anything like that.
2: It was one of my early sort of investments in the online space. Uh, we're aspiring to become one of the, the global leading affiliates, and uh, as you can imagine, a domain such as Best Odds does not come out around every day. And I think it was in November 2020. Then Philip suddenly one morning went, "By the way, are you aware that Best Odds is for sale?" And I just couldn't believe it. I thought, "Sure, that's just too good a name. It must have gone somewhere," and it hadn't. Uh, and it was been dormant for a quarter of a century, in essence. And uh, Philip brought it to my attention. I just thought, goodness, this is too exciting an opportunity to forgo. I'd used uh, a company called OddsChecker, I'm sure, with which you're familiar, for nearly 20 years mm-hmm. as a consumer and always thought there's got to be somebody to take them on, surely. And if one was trying to do that and then trying to create a, a brand and a destination for betting, I think the sort of best source as a domain would be the perfect place for Boots to start. And so uh, we took this idea and, and now here we are, 18 months later, as a, a thriving US-facing affiliate presence in Ontario with, with ambitions for further afield in the future.
1: I'm curious, how do you sort of think about the type of advantage or head start that it gives you guys building a brand around, I guess, what is essentially a category-defining domain, right? I mean, you know, there's a shortage of quality domains out there. People are getting very creative with their naming and their branding, but Best Odds is just immediate, right? We know exactly what it is as soon as those words are uttered. And I'm just, yeah, sort of curious, how do you guys sort of think about the advantage that gives you as a new upstart challenger brand in the affiliate space?
0: I think there's quite a few angles. From our business perspective, we're an affiliate that's largely based on organic traffic. Um, And it starts even just there. Best Odds is a very recognizable brand name that in the grant scheme of domains-specific domains or vertical-specific domains seems rather trustworthy. Um, there's a lot of gambling specific domains that seem not as trustworthy, I would say. And so, when you see somebody like best odds, even if it's maybe only spot four or three on the SERP, um, we believe that there's a, a, an actual edge to people potentially taking on something like that rather than a number one. The number one is a very obscure, long-ended, very specific domain, like we see quite a lot with gambling. So we think, you know, there's a there's a certain level of recognizability. And also just remember but, but see, i don't know if that's an actual book but um it's just far easier to remember something like best thoughts when your friend tells you about where they learned about what actually is a money line because we're aware there's like huge barriers to entry and they say well i read about it on best thoughts it kind of sticks to your mind and we thought that that was a very very good 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 space to start um there's a lot of considerations further from there but on a very high level we think that it it, it just sticks in your mind it's easy to remember and like Will always says, it it does what it says on LinkedIn. Uh and it can be adapted to quite a few stages of market maturity, uh, like the U.S. right now, but also then, you know, UK being a slightly bit further along the sort of getting maturity market scale. Just from the content perspective,
1: um, I'm curious, Philip, if you could talk a little bit about, you know, just what's on bestodds.com now, obviously fairly early in the journey still, and I'm sure a lot more to come, but... You know, just as it exists today, if I was a user going to bestodds.com, you know, what could I expect to find or, or see on the
0: website? What's on there right now? I mean, a whole lot of good content. <laughs> uh, we're we're up to quite a lot of Evergreen content at this point. And we've always believed that a lot of the value in this market lies in authentic education of this, of this landscape. Um, we do have a market in which quite a lot of people have bet before with an illegal offshore operator, but. A lot of it also still is people that are new to this, that don't understand this. They're being introduced to this by friends, but specifically the U.S. has quite a lot of barriers to entry. I, I don't think that this is a space where you look at it once and you will understand everything. Um, and so a lot of what we focused on in these early days and our initial push into content on our site was really to drive down how can we create a comprehensive suite of educational articles uh, that help people kind of get over that barrier of I don't know what this is. This is kind of intimidating. I don't just want to lose money because I don't understand. Uh, and I think that's a big part for us. Um, we've, we've moved on. We have a bit of tools on there, your traditional calculators, trackers, and everything else, and obviously a lot of odds comparison. Um, we're, we're about to roll out a whole set of new odds comparison functionality, which we're very excited about. Um, but we've more and more dove into. Some of the other content as well, that kind of really portrays our brand voice. We've had the wonderful advantage of hiring a couple of very, very talented people that we think are fantastic writers and fantastic voices in this market. have been betting for a long time Um, and more and more, we're pushing into some of the more investigative journalism, so to speak, um, that really talks in our voice, talks to public trends, you know, we break things down very simply people ask themselves, what happens if I actually just bet the underdog all season long? Will I lose money? Will I make money? will I wrap this. So we have our guys just kind of chase down these niche stories, uh, go through it, crunch the data, write something nice up about it and and share it with everyone else. Uh, and we've seen this resonate with the community quite nicely.
1: Nice. And I want to ask as well, Philip, you just mentioned, you know, this sort of sense of wanting to be a brand that is associated with trust and trustworthiness. and You know, looking at the site, it's a very clean aesthetic. It's, uh, you know, void of a lot of banner ads and advertisements and sorts of these things that you would normally expect to see on most other affiliate sites. Yet, you know, yours is exceptionally clean um, and is quite a refreshing juxtaposition, I must say. And I'm just sort of curious to hear you talk a little bit about your thinking and your mindset from a UX perspective and sort of some of the design thinking that went into bestodds.com because it really does stand out for me having looked at, you know, many affiliate sites over the years. Um, I would just be interested to sort of hear you talk about your thinking and your mental model of, I guess, UX as it relates to this project.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think there's there's a couple different considerations. First of all, we think that there's highly advanced affiliates in other spaces. Uh, for us, particularly finance tends to be quite a mature market when it comes to the affiliates in the US. And we just see how the successful ones have taken a very different approach. Um, because when we look at gambling in the US, a lot of it is very much orientated towards the end of the funnel, that last step where I just need that final bit of information to get in that promo book, that bonus code, that sign-up offer, and that's kind of it. But truly successful affiliates speak to almost every part of the funnel, and that starts by providing objective overviews a lot earlier on. And we just saw how in other spaces, affiliates, uh, they tend to be you know, the, the way that they structure their sites takes you through a journey and you start to develop trust with them. And that's largely based on not being distracted, not being overly pushed to these types of offers. Um, and, and quite frankly, we think it's also just in our interest. Um, we have some data, not yet enough, because we've only been around for one and a half years or so, we're, we're continuing to collect it. And so far, we seem to be correct that showing people too much stuff confuses them and, and leads to less results than focusing their attention on very few things that we actually care about. Right? So I'd much rather have a clean looking article that clearly goes towards one goal that we want to achieve, understand what we say. And if you like it, you know, go and convert with one of our operating partners, rather than trying to kind of plug in opportunities everywhere, left and right, uh, and, and kind of just kind of shooting, shooting some stray bullets to see some of them will hit, um, and so excited to see whether our assumptions turn into knowledge. We, we seem to be on a reasonable path so far, but it's it's a philosophy that we continue to believe in with things that we're rolling out now and, and, and that we believe to be, well, hopefully it's going to be the market standard a couple of years down the line.
1: Awesome. Um, I also want to ask you guys a little bit about just the affiliate marketing landscape and particularly in the U.S. market right now. Um, if you could just sort of level set as to where we're at today, maybe give us a bit of a sense as to kind of what the landscape is looking like from your perspective. Then I guess, you know, I'm interested as well, are there any particular trends you're seeing right now or keeping an eye on, again, uh, particularly in the U.S. side of the affiliate ecosystem? I think you can use the word competitive
2: and then say it again, and then say it again. Uh, it's it's
1: interesting because
2: Philip and I are not necessarily coming from a sports betting affiliate background, coming into this sphere and identifying this is a sort of dichotomy of you, you had the big behemoths, your containers and better collectors of and all these sorts who are incredible at what they do. They're not long in the tooth, but they've been doing it a while and they do it very well. And then you've got all the sort of the more agile, the younger, the fresher, the upstarts all trying to come in and think, okay, there's a very big pie here. How can we grab ours? Um, And I think it's fascinating how the innovative, innovative zeal that you see amongst smaller operators, as opposed to the bigger players who are more set in their ways. And, but harking back to how they do it, they just do it bloody well. So I think it, it's an intriguing area. And over the next sort of, three, five, seven years, handers pans out. Who rises? Who doesn't? Who gets sorted up quickly? I mean, you look at the consolidation piece in this industry and, and the appetites the big guns have. Uh, it's interesting how many sort of independents will be successful in trying to scale the heights to which they'd achieved on their own or do just some... Sort of, succumb to the here's a check um come join us so we'll see it's very interesting but as of where we sit in that regard and i think we we aspire to becoming one of the bands rather than being swallowed up whole on the way
0: that's that's very much the vision at the moment if i may to back off that, i think there's a couple of things in the market as we see right now where consolidation makes sense to some extent right uh we see as you reach a certain scale and you become a mid-tier affiliate there's some growing pains on a pure business administrative side when it comes to federal tax returns and state tax returns There's a lot of costs that don't scale proportionately and by many employees at scale, I mean, we're not a huge operation. We're 10 full-time, uh, and it's a few part-time slash contractors. Um, and it's, it's difficult managing that from a payroll perspective and, and just being compliant with everything. So we definitely see that there's some consolidation tension in that market. That makes sense. And I mean, I think that the strategy towards localization at scale is also one that's only possible at a certain level, right? Uh, I think a lot of affiliates have a portfolio, of domains, assets that they would like to be building out specific to certain geographies or audiences. But it's very difficult to divert that attention to these things if you've got limited resources, even if it's just limited focus resources. Um, and so it's exciting for us to see also around us where consolidation does make sense um, and what it enables in some aspects and, and what it enables people that that don't want to consolidate as well, uh, which is, it, it's it's a great time to be expected. And
1: talking a little bit more about just the compliance piece, um, can you expand on what it takes to become an affiliate in the regulated U.S. market and sort of what does that, uh, I don't want to call it a compliance burden, but I mean, it is a burden. and in particular for a startup with limited resources and focus and attention um just sort of how have you guys reconciled that and you know making sure that you're operating obviously in a compliant manner while also having resources to actually execute on your roadmap and vision
0: i have to be honest we have a giant chico um we we have america's what well, we consider america's best gaming lawyer to be one of our founding investors so we we've had a bit of a leg up when it comes to anticipating legislation and just a helping hand on our shoulder uh, that got us into the right places at the right time. But certainly the initial set of states, it was tricky. Also, because when you're trying to go into new states, you know, you apply, you fill everything out. And then they say, well, actually now there's a short form of it. But then some people say the short form is only if you have a relation to tribal game, And others say, no, the short form is for everyone. So there's a lot of uncertainty and things changing on the fly. I think for somebody looking at this opportunity from the outside and saying, I want to go into this, uh, there is a reasonable amount of complexity. I think regulatory is a big part of that, but frankly, regulatory is just. Rude, blunt work, right? You just got to sit there, fill out the forms, make it happen, hope for the best. And then kind of just hope that you're somewhere in the queue where it makes sense to get passed through in the next meeting. But refreshingly, we do see more and more states that have significantly easier processes. So I think somebody new coming into the they, they might want to consider starting with a smaller state that has a more straightforward licensing process, and then going into some of the more complex stuff. To me, where it gets really tricky, uh, is a young affiliate going into this market without a lot of established industry connections, trying to set up all of the relationship with the operators. We are in a scenario where the operators have spoiled the choice. Uh, everybody with an Instagram page thinks they want to become an affiliate. And, uh, you know, it, it's really tough. A lot of people contact them. They don't have the right regulation. And then it's a very frustrating process for the operator as well, to kind of see through all of this and work through all of this. So from our experience, um, our operators have a backlog and it takes time to make a deal. And if you're thinking about, I want to become an affiliate now, the NFL season is around the corner. This is an exciting opportunity. It's a reality check to say, if you're starting now, you'd be likely to get one or two deals in before the NFL season starts. And if you're very lucky, you'll get five, Super Bowl, you know, uh, like this is, I think this is just the reality. Oh.
2: Which NFL season do you mean Philip? <laughs> exactly.
0: 22 and, <laughs> right. and I think I, exactly. I'll add one
2: other point in terms of, uh, the regulatory piece. If I'm sort of trying to start and, and become an affiliate in Pennsylvania, make sure when you do your fingerprints, it's black ink rather bluing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went to a police station in the UK and sort of did the fingerprints and I was in the UK we, we used bluing. And of course, that was not uh, suitable in Pennsylvania, and that delayed us for several months. So, uh, nugget of advice for, for the new it out there.
1: I also want to talk a little bit about cultural differences, right? Uh, Will, you know, just hearing about your background, you have a deep, rich history with betting, obviously from a UK perspective, and, you know, betting's been a deep part of the culture and a sort of heritage of the UK for a long, long time. And... You know, you're now focusing on building a brand, maybe more so positioned to the U.S. market. And I'm sort of curious, sort of through the U.K. lens and your experience betting in the U.K. market, what are some of the major cultural differences you see between the way punters in the U.K. and bettors in the U.S. behave? And, you know, whether that be similarities, differences, Just what are your sort of overall observations comparing the two markets, given your background and experience? I think in
2: 1997, a British prime minister came to power called Tony Blair on on the premise of education, education, education. And I think for the UK punter, there's no need for education because it's in the DNA, you just grow up with it. Forty percent of the population on the first Saturday in April will have a bet on this particular horse race. It's 40% of the entire population. It is, it's it's part of the vernacular. And that's what going back to why best odds is so exciting. It's the vernacular. Did you get the best odds on that horse? It was 12 to 1. I got 14s. That is an everyday occurrence. In the US, Probably the 10% or so who may have been betting offshore may potentially know, oh, I got plus 12 and I got plus 1,400. Yabu sucks. For the other 90%, they haven't got a Scoobies. This is not what one didn't grow up with this. And it's now more a case of, okay, which brand ambassador for one of the major sports books do I like? Or is there a case of, I used to be a fancy customer and I'm now a sports betting because I'm still stick with them because I know what they're doing. There isn't that sense of shopping for the best lines or the best odds yet. But it will come. Americans are one of the most intelligent races on the, on the planet. They're very good at shopping around for bargains in all sorts of other industries. Why wouldn't one do the same in, uh, for betting and gambling? Uh, and I'm sure that's where we want to be and build out that aspect of a destination. So that people come to us to, to find out the best odds and, and bet accordingly. Because why leave money on the table? And it really is. It's staggering. We, did, we talked about sort of, sort of niche markets in our, one of our newsletters. We revealed the difference of how much one would leave on the table just by betting Nerfies in the first month of MRBCs, mm. just on, on, on $10 bets on Nerfies. You, you'd leave at over $1,000 on the table by not shopping around for the odds. It's really quite stark. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's the knowledge. It's the information gap currently that, that isn't there and I previously invested in, in a US wine business. I was cited going up the wine knowledge curve, and I think there is very much an aspect to that of, of the betting curve. I'm still learning, It's going only 40 years. Um, so we want to be that place where people come to in order to educate themselves and go up that betting knowledge curve to become better bettors and just more prudent, more sensible, more aware um, of the risks, but also of, okay, if I can get the price there and it's actually there. In the long term, it makes much more sense.
1: Will, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about some of your angel investing activity. I, I know you made mention to this a few minutes ago um, and doing a bit of research uh, in advance of today's conversation. Uh, I you know, perceive that you are a very active angel investor, uh, maybe use the word prolific even. Um, and it looks as though you do invest in a number of different companies across a number of different verticals and sectors. I'm just a bit curious uh, to hear you talk about maybe some of the categories that are interesting to you right now as an angel investor, and you know, what's sort of getting your intention as a particularly compelling space outside of betting, of course, uh, here in mid 2022? I, I have a very broad
2: spectrum of investors. I've got over 60 live, uh, I'm in various VC funds, I've got about a hundred indirect. And in terms of, some of the popular ones of that sphere, I mean, I'm seeing the open banking piece is huge at the moment. So a lot of interesting businesses going into that sphere. Uh, there's a lot of money flowing in there. Crypto, obviously, it's not one I generally touch. But I mean, we've seen the, the ebbs and flows of that industry recently. Uh, but in terms of for myself, in terms of what I I look for, I should have recently done a, a sports sponsorship investment to try and become the currency of how one actually measures sports sponsorship uh, logos. It was a very interesting one recently. So I do a few in the sports betting sphere because I think it's always interesting to have. Potential partners. I think this is an industry where you don't want to have too many enemies. Be, sort of be, be friendly. Be one of those sort of friendly competitors and go out of your way to help others, even if it's sort of not necessarily for your own interest. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, I've got, I range from car repairs in Colombia to ag tech, ed tech, every sort of full tech you can probably throw your hat at, uh, fashion, there's all sorts. Um, and yeah, many won't particularly succeed, but it's, it's an enjoyable. It's always very interesting. And I think you, you learn a lot of best practice and on, on a, on a sincere note, things like the reporting, things like how on top of the financials as a business. It tells you a lot about where you, you think it's going to go. There's a big correlation between good intelligent reporting, people with business nows and the ability to listen, which is key. As you can see a fan you they, oh, he's talented or she's talented you got to think, are they going to listen? Do they have that attitude that actually I'm a nodal? And in which case, you just sort of begrudgingly got to say no, because
1: yeah. overall it could implode. Looking forward here to the rest of the year, you know, NFL's kicking off in about six weeks or so. All the other US leagues will be starting behind it shortly thereafter. Um, you know, your guys' roadmap for best odds for the rest of 2022. What are some of the major things you're focused on? And, you know, maybe where you'd be by the end of this year and by the end of the NFL season?
0: Number one thing is we started this with, a uh, an MVP of our product that was based on a whole lot of assumptions. And so we slowly but surely improved on these assumptions, validated some, this about some, uh, and so hopefully by the, by the, this time next month, we'll have the second iteration of that going live. Um, and that will, you know, all the validated assumptions that were going to be emphasized and all of the ones that didn't work out, uh, will be modified. Uh, and we think it's a significantly more user-friendly product uh, than what we have right now. With a lot more functionality, but also just overall better experience to consume content, interact content, and all that type of stuff. So, really, a lot of our attention is focused on that right now to make sure that that goes over the line, that goes smoothly. And um, well, that's 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 really the core driver at this point. As to everything that we're working towards is is centered around how can we roll out the second version of the product and all the little things that are indirectly connected. Nice. And my standard closing question for each of you, if you
1: weren't working in sports betting, if you weren't doing technology development, if you weren't angel investing in other companies or doing anything like that in a parallel universe, if you were doing something completely different,
0: what would it be for each of you? And Philip, maybe we can start with you. Um, If I ever retired from best thoughts all 15 years down the line when I joined back advisory board or something like that, I think I would go into natural pharmaceuticals, I'm fascinated by the healing power of plants and how many plants are out there where people just think testing is too expensive. It's tough to make anything work here. Uh, it's difficult in a long aging process, but there's so much power in nature still, and that's something that is a, a bit of a hobby I'd say side thing right now that I just find fascinating. And over the long term, I do think it's something that I might devote some energy to if I wasn't working. Cool. And Will, how about yourself? Sounds a bit peculiar, given the fact I'm actually allergic
2: to them, but I'd probably try and breed racehorses. Uh, that's been a passion of my life for, for many years. I think mean, that's absolutely beautiful. But um, it hasn't been a very successful investment. Anybody who says it's an investment is always sort of speaking incorrectly, should we say. Right. That would be the dream. That's definitely the dream. Have, have a stun, mm-hmm. and try and breed, breed racehorses, and,
1: but not get too close to the sneezing. Awesome, guys. Um, For folks listening that want to check out the product or also get in touch with you to potentially discuss partnerships or anything else, how would you suggest they best go about it, uh, both checking out the product and also reaching both of you?
0: My email is kind of tough to spell because Philip is one of those tricky names where there's like five different ways of spelling it. <laughs> so the easiest way is just to reach out to will.com. W-I-L-M. Bigger. At best.com. I think that's the most straightforward path there. Easy peasy. Awesome, guys. Well, look, I've really appreciated you joining.
1: It sounds like a really exciting journey you're on here. So looking forward to continuing to follow this story and looking forward to staying in touch with you both. Thanks again. I'll I bring be you one day. deep